This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What is up, H-Town? It's Jeff Balky back here with the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. It is Wednesday, June 15th, and this is episode three of our podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Balky, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E. You, of course, can read me in the Houston Press and hear me most Mondays on KUHF 88.7 FM here in Houston uh, or streaming online. Uh, on the Houston Matters show. So I want to dig in today just right off the bat and talk real quickly about Jeremy Pena. Um, Pena did not play yesterday in Monday's loss to the Rangers, which we'll discuss here in a moment. He rolled over his left hand, uh, the same surgically repaired wrist that he had last year, but Dusty Baker says this is not related to his wrist. It's a hand injury of some sort. They sent him back to Houston for more tests. We haven't heard anything on that yet. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it won't be a big deal. They don't seem to think it's a big deal. He finished playing the rest of the game, but I figured we should get that out there right at the onset in case anybody hasn't heard that yet. I'm sure most of you already have. If you're like me and you follow Astros Twitter, it's been repeated like a thousand times. Kind of like being on sports Twitter in Houston and seeing like 10,000 references to Texans minicamp, even though we're only in June. Anywho, uh, the Astros lost the home the opener in Arlington to the Rangers 5-3, to and just a not a great uh, performance. The bullpen broke down. Um, just overall, just kind of a, a kind of a difficult game to watch, especially given the Astros' struggles here recently, losing two out of three to the Mariners, two out of three to the Marlins. But they came back yesterday, had an offensive surge, a crazy eighth inning. If you didn't see it, um, <clears throat> Jose Altuve made a, a move to go home. Uh, the on a on a hard hit grounder instead of going for the double play, they tried to get Jose at home. Errant throw, he scores. Runners stay on. Then Jordan Alvarez uh, grounds one to first. Another run comes home. The game is tied at that point. It had been uh, three to one. And then uh, Kyle Tucker walks up and hits a uh, uh, two-run bomb. And or excuse me, I guess it had been two to one, something like that. Anyway, Kyle Tucker comes up, hits a home run. The Astros end up winning four to three. Jose Urquidy with a, a very solid outing uh, overall, and and you know the Astros button up a win, which is which is important given the fact that they're playing the Rangers, who are not good, um, and especially given the fact that they are starting next week, going to face nine games against the two best teams in baseball. So, well, and we will dig into that just a little bit. <clears throat> I want to get into this week real quick by talking about Jeremy Pena, however not injury-related, um, because unfortunately he is injured. But but one of the things that... I did some a deep dive into some of the statistics here this past week 
and looked at basically breaking his season down into 15-game increments. And when you look at his season based over just 15 games at a time, you see the roller coaster that it is to be a rookie. And and I think if you if you don't look at him him in the micro like that, if you don't watch him sort of every single game, most of what we've seen has been super positive, right? Um, Pena's been extremely good, and I think you know we haven't really had a chance to say much. But in the past couple of weeks, I should say say so much negative. In the past couple of weeks, he's yeah, been struggling here and there. Um, strikeouts are up a bit, but I just took a, a quick glance. And broke his numbers down. Uh, so between April 17th and April 25th, so his initial first 15 games in the majors, he was batting 240. His slash line was 241, 312, 500, and 812. Three homers, five walks, 13 strikeouts. Extremely respectable. Um, batting average a little down, but when you look at the, you know, his slugging and his his OPS, I mean, really good numbers. Then he really busted out. The next 15 games between April 26th and May 12th, his slash line was 314, 362, 529, and 898 with three homers, four walks, and 14 strikeouts. So <clears throat> just a really, that's really where we started to see, wow, this guy is putting up some big numbers. And then in his next 15 games, Leveled out a little bit, came sort of back down to earth just a bit. 286, 310, 429, 739, two home runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So fewer walks, just not quite seeing the ball maybe as well, maybe being pitched a little bit differently at this point. Now we're 30 games into the season or so. Now, over the last eight games, he's really started to see his numbers sink a little bit. 259. 333, 370, 704. So just only one home run, one walk, eight strikeouts. When you see it, you can see, though, as, as he goes through the season, you see this sort of roller coaster of him. Now, when you put it all together, he still look, it still looks really good, right, for a rookie shortstop. Still looks really good, especially on a team that's coming off the loss of Carlos Correa. But overall... It's it yeah it's very very solid but if you look at it sort of in those microcosms those little ebbs and flows of the season you can see how it's sort of you know he has a little bit of a down period then he gets has another bit of, bit of a up period so I feel like you know he's going to improve because I think he's he's been down a little bit hopefully if this injury isn't anything significant you know he he had a home run the other night uh, if you look in in the during the team's three and five stretch here recently, when he hits, the team wins. Like they they follow his success. In wins, he was six and eleven with four RBIs and just two strikeouts. In the five losses, one for sixteen with six strikeouts. So as he goes, the Astros have been going right, and so I think that what we need to really see here is just just Jeremy Pena getting better. Now, obviously, the injury is the huge sort of uh, monkey in the wrench, as uh, uh, he said in Die Hard. And I think uh, I think we'll we'll have to wait. Obviously, wait and see what the diagnosis is and if he can get back. But I feel like he's a guy that's poised for another upswing. And speaking of which, what about Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel? Right. I think it's worth kind of talking about them a little bit here because 
when you look at this team, this has really been the, these guys have been the problem. And you look at Alex Bregman was zero for four last night. Yuli Gurriel was one for four. He had a lead, he had a double in the in the um, uh, in the first. But neither of these guys have been doing well. Now, one, but I want to uh, say a couple of things about this. First, they put up a stat last night during the Astros game that I think was interesting. During the last sort of, I think it's the last 10 games or so, Alex Bregman's expected batting average was 308, despite hitting something like 225 for the season. Guriel, who's hitting like 221 and not walking, which makes means his on-base percentage is also low, um, his expected batting average was like in the 280s. So both of these guys have been hitting the ball pretty well, and particularly been hitting the ball well lately. Just had a little bit of bad luck. You know, you've had a... I, Yuli Gurriel last night had a hit that was a pretty good shot, and it just wound up going straight at one of the outfielders. Alex Bregman won like that as well. Um, and so this is something I think we saw early in the season for Kyle Tucker. He was hitting the ball hard. He was seeing the ball. Bregman's seeing the ball well. He's still walking. I mean, he's still in the top, I think, 10 in the American League in, in walks. So he's seeing the ball well. He's just not making barrel contact with the ball. Yuli Gurriel, he started walking a little bit more. He had four walks um, over his last 10 games. He roughly had about eight prior to that in the in the previous uh, like 40 games. Um, in the last six games, he's gone eight for 24 and hit safely in all but one of them. Bregman has hit safely in five of his last six games, not counting last night. And in the one that he didn't hit in those games, he walked. So these are guys who it feels like they could turn it around. And look, the Astros desperately need them to be at their averages. They don't need them to be great. Bregman does not need to repeat <clears throat> his uh, MVP run. Maybe great if he did. Um, and Yuli Gurriel does not have to, you know, uh, win the batting title or anything like that. They just need to get back to where they were, uh, you know, prior to this season and prior to the, you know, the slumps that they've had. Bregman, you can't really count him for injuries because he, he doesn't appear to be injured. So, you know, he's been tweaking his swing a little bit. Um, we'll just, we have to, the, I, I hate saying this because I say this pretty often, but we have to wait and see. And I understand Dusty Baker's patience with these guys because they have a track record. I think in in particular, Bregman is a guy that you can sort of think, okay, this guy's eventually going to turn it around. Fortunately, the Astros have Jordan, Alvarez, and you know, uh, Jose Altuve, who, how does Jose Altuve fly under the radar? But he's hitting tremendously well this year. You've got Kyle Tucker, you've got Jeremy Pena to sort of help these guys. However, and that's my next point, we don't have anybody in the bottom part of the order, and that's a problem. Look, according to statmuse.com, the Astros are two thir- hitting 239 with runners in scoring position. That's 19th in baseball. Last season, they were in the top five. And when you have a team that continue, look, the Astros don't strike out a lot. They walk more than average. They're really high. They're really way up there in rankings in terms of walks uh, and really down at the bottom in terms of strikeouts and in terms of very few strikeouts. But you can't get a hit with runners in scoring position. 
That is a problem. The left on base numbers for the Astros are terrible. And a big reason for that is because they have rally killers at the bottom of their order. When you look up at, at, at that lineup that includes Jose Siri, Chaz McCormick, Martin Maldonado, and Jason Castro, those four have four of the six worst batting averages on the team. They're four of the bottom six. And uh, Jason Castro is hitting like 105 or something incredibly bad. And some of this could be helped when Jake Myers returns. And that's a huge if. Myers it was not like a tremendous hitter last year. He was good. He was solid, especially in the bottom of the order. But he's going to have to come back from injury. I mean, even though he's doing a rehab assignment, there's no guarantee he's going to come back and start, you know, hitting the cover off the ball. He hasn't really been doing that in the minors during his rehab stint. So I don't think we can really expect that. But you and but then you have the catcher spot. I mean, in many instances, it's kind of like back in the days when there was when the Astros were in the uh, National League and they had no DH. You know, they'd have like a bad catcher and then a pitcher, and you'd be like, okay, time to go take a bathroom break or grab a drink because these guys aren't going to hit. And you can't have that when you have a DH, right? So Castro's been playing like a third of the games. I, I'm sure that part of that is to just help preserve Maldonado until we get in the playoffs. Maldonado is still one of the better defensive catchers in baseball. Castro hasn't been bad defensively either. Uh, Maldonado made an insane catch uh, a couple nights ago where the, it was a foul tip off his glove and he and he caught the ball as he was you know after he, it was like a tip drill. It was crazy. So he's still very good defensively. Still throws out base runners. But, man, you just can't have two guys at the bottom of your lineup that are just garbage in terms of hitting. You just can't have it. The Astros cannot score runs that way. They just end up with run. And, and look, when you look at the guys ahead of him, like Jeremy Pena gets on a lot. So you get him on, now you've got two black holes before you get to Jose Altuve. So they not only can they, get guys, can they not get guys in or push them around the base paths, but you also have the problem of turning over the lineup. One of the things the Astros have done in years past that has been exceptional and really made them kind of who they are as a team is they've been outstanding at getting runs across the plate. And a lot of that had to do with getting timely hitting from the bottom of their order. And they're just not getting that now. And so you have to kind of wonder, what are they going to do about this going forward? Because... Okay, Jake Myers will return, but is he the answer? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he is the answer. Like, It's not like we're welcoming back a proven hitter. It's not like Jose Altuve has been on the shelf and now we're bringing him back. So that brings me to my next point, and that is, what about the trade market? So <clears throat> I'm predicting that the Astros are going to be busy in the trade market, but I don't think that they are going to go out and look for big names. Like In terms of catching, Wilson Contreras is the big name out there. He'd be a short-term rental for the Astros. Um, he's looking for a big payday in the offseason. The Astros probably would not give that to him. I just don't see that as a viable option for this team. This is a team that doesn't want to be hamstrung by long-term contracts. Uh, so I that just seems really out of the realm of possibility. I mean, he's he, the Astros have been mentioned as one of the potential suitors, but I think that's more speculation than anything else. The other th area to consider is in the outfield. Even when Jake Myers is back, 
you know, you've got Mauricio Dubon who can play a little outfield, but you don't really have a, a, a set situation out there. And if you look, maybe you should think about somebody who can play a little outfield, play a little, uh, you know, can DH occasionally, give guys days off. That is something I think that that there are potentials out there for. Now, I'm I'm not sure who they are. I've seen a few rumored names here and there, but um, we'll have to just kind of see if those rumors start churning over the days and weeks because this is a, and especially because the Astros are coming up on this really big stretch of games. You have to wonder if that's going to be a defining moment for this team for this season, one way or the other. I think general manager James Click is going to be active, but I'm not sure he is going to like break the bank for anybody. They do have a little bit of space, you know, in terms of salary because they didn't pay Carlos Correa all that money. Um, Their pitching staff is pretty well set. They do have assets, you know, both in the minors and at the major league level uh, that could make for legitimate trade possibilities. And so I, I could see them doing it. I just am not sure that they're going to suddenly break the bank and and go out and get some superstar like they did with Randy Johnson or like when they they did with Justin Verlander or something like that. I think if it were a pitcher, it would be one thing. But because their pitching staff is pretty well set and Lance McCullers still isn't quite back yet and Jake Odorizzi is probably going to be back here sooner rather than later, I can't really see them like making a big break for a pitcher. They don't really have a need there. But... An outfielder, particularly someone that can platoon an outfield uh, and and play a couple of different positions. Maybe a catcher to replace Castro. Maybe not somebody to replace Maldonado, but somebody, you know, maybe a, a backup catcher who is, you know, not as good defensively, but really good offensively. Um, I think those are things that that would be more expected of the Astros than some other sort of blockbuster deal, which I just don't... You know, Mauricio Dubon, who they brought over, that's a good example of a guy who's come in and, and been a key contributor. And I, you've seen that from the Astros in years past, where they pick up those sort of key contributors. They're not going to be afraid to pull the trigger on a big deal. I just wonder if they will. My feeling is they won't. And I don't think... And I think that that's probably because they want... They, they have so many good pitchers in place... And they have so many like quality players in many positions. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because they're going to have to be paying guys coming up. Now, if they could find somebody that has a, a, a that is a solid player and has a decent contract, that's not going to hamstring them, or is somebody that's maybe not a rental that they have control over for the next couple of years, that would be one thing. But those are not easy to come by. Obviously, everybody's looking for that, right? Low pay and high production. Um, so I hate to say wait and see, but wait and see. Um, as for the rest of this week, we obviously have the Astros continuing in Arlington uh, today to face the Rangers again in this three-game set. You know... Uh, the rain, the Marlins, that those. Let's just before I get out of here for the day, um, a quick note about the Mariners and Marlins series. The Mariners was was not a good series. Marlins, however, have been really good lately. I can forgive the Astros for for not doing well against them, mainly because the Marlins have just been hitting everything lately. So hey, 
good for them. That was a tough loss. But the Astros have got to beat the Rangers. They've got to take this series, their first series win in, in over a week. Then they face the White Sox, and they've got to take that series too. Right? Why? Well, because beginning Tuesday, June 21st, they have nine games against either the Mets or the Yankees, right? They have a two-game set in Houston Tuesday, Wednesday. Then they have four games at Yankee Stadium that weekend, the 23rd through the 26th, so Thursday through Sunday. Of course, I'm going to be uh, in, <laughs> on vacation with the family during that, so I'll be doing anything I can to watch it. Then they come back home for another two-game set against the Mets that following Tuesday and Wednesday, just one day off in between, before picking up a, a game against the Yankees, which is one of those makeup games from the early in the season, at Minute Maid Park, just a single one-off game on Thursday, June the 30th. So, And then they immediately go into a three-game set against the Angels. So <clears throat> they have got to win. Now, after that, after that, you see some light at the end of that tunnel. They have Angels, Royals, in Oakland, in L.A. to face the Angels again, home for Oakland, before the Yankees come back to finish that series, that, that makeup series for two games. So they have a lot of, of opportunity following this Yankees-Mets you know, gauntlet to pick up games, and, and hopefully they will. But I, right now, they've got to win this series against the Rangers today, which, by the way, is an early start, 105 start. And then they have White Sox this weekend. They've got to wipe them out, too. They can't you know, fool around with these teams going into series against the Yankees and the Mets. And let's be honest, they've got to have a good showing against the Yankees and the Mets. They've got to show well against these two teams. They've got to show that they're not pretenders. Uh, particularly with these New York teams, because these New York teams are really, they're crushing the ball right now. They're getting great pitching. These are two very, very, very good teams. So right now, they have absolutely got to think about taking care of business against teams that are not as good as them, and then going in and showing you know, showing some quality play. Hopefully Jeremy Pena won't be hurt, and he'll be available for those series. Um, it should be pretty exciting, especially here we are in June. You know, not even to the All-Star break yet, not even to the trade line, deadline yet, but got some exciting baseball coming up. So that will wrap it up for me on this uh, Wednesday, June the 15th, Episode 3 of the Believe in Astros podcast. You can catch me on Twitter at Jeff Balke, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E. You can also catch me next Monday on Houston Matters on Houston Public Radio, KUHF 88.7 FM, also streaming online. I will be on there in the 9 o'clock hour to talk sports. And then, of course, I will be back here next week. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. So thanks again for joining me and I will talk to you next week. Go Astros. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.